This is from Justin McCain, a podcast where Mike Robertson and Bob Roo watch one critically acclaimed film and one terrible film and talk about how they are the same. I love that. I don't even know how you do that, but Mike and I just both had some nice poops before this recording, and then he put he put a poop emoticon over his face on our Zoom or Zoom meeting. This so isn't going in really the cold open. About that. I don't care what you think. It's not going in. Oh, the coldest of open. Great. great. Um, hello, everybody. Welcome to From Justin to Kane. This is uh, Mike, and with me as always is Bob. Hi, everyone. Um, you know what, though, I will say a cold open talking about shit relates to one of the films we're talking about because one of the films we're doing this week is a complete utter piece of shit. Says okay. you. I'm talking about Super Mario Bros. from 1993. Mm-hmm. I hated that fucking movie. I was upset the whole time. You were? Yeah, I was like angry that it exists. Yeah. Well, are you are you a devout fan? I saw it in the theater. Oh, as a as a child Ugh, and uh, yes. as a Super Mario super fan, right, right. Uh, but I did not like it as as yeah as a fan. So, right. Or right, how about now? You've you've kind of aged with the film. How do you feel about it now? <laughs> I think it's still bad, but it's it's interesting to watch still. Yeah, it's like yeah. I liked watching movies where there's clearly bad choices being made, and I like just seeing how that results. Right, right. So. It's like a thought experiment or like a, I don't know, some sort of experiment where they're like, if we spend this amount of money and we do everything that's really just the most misguided choice we can make and let's see what the outcome is. It is fascinating. Yeah. That's not how I watched it, though. Not with that lens. Okay. Um, I mean, last night I watched uh, 1941, the Steven Spielberg war movie. Ugh, that movie's rough, too. You've seen it? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I love the concept. Like, he, like, drives this airplane, and then he has to go to the gas station and stuff. I was like, that's fun. But it's also a terrible film. Oh, yeah. It's pretty bad. But it's it's interesting just seeing the world's greatest living filmmaker, TM, kind of, uh, mm-hmm. just whiff it hard. But it's, yeah. it's also um, so well done. It's, like, just like an exquisitely made film. Mm-hmm. but just, just it's complete, terrible complete nonsense yeah and robert zemeckis yeah. and bob gale wrote it yeah we should definitely do that movie so you can watch it again. well i saw it on your letterbox and i was like uh misa thinks we're doing 1941 <laughs> next week yeah it's a rough go it's a rough go for sure mm-hmm. but uh um, anyway the movies at hand this week's movies are uh super mario brothers from 1993 yes. as the bad movie mm-hmm. of our our binary and then the um good movie is the last black man in san francisco from 2019 yep and uh this was your first time watching last black man in san francisco yeah. right yeah it was good i didn't know what to expect i had no idea what it was about but i had heard good things so i watched it and i was like yeah that's an a24 movie all right so <laughs> definitely on brand for a24 100 percent, yeah how how is it that A twenty four can somehow? Because I just watched the Green Knight in theaters. Oh yeah, and I was like, this just screams A twenty four. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. a different production company makes these films. A twenty four doesn't write them, but I feel like they they somehow have this like 
hold on the industry where they get these really unique extremely loud indie films like mm-hmm. every movie they make has crazy music yeah green knight has crazy music last black man in san francisco has crazy music uh hereditary obviously obviously bunch of fucking movies like blaring crazy music seems to be like a24's mo well i guess they kind of figured out the aesthetic that they want and then they just kind of buy movies Work. like that right right interesting i mean i'm a fan for sure yeah me too. i would never buy merch but i'm a fan you're not one of those people who has that uh, directed by David Lowery on your shirt. You know, like people no. who have those, they're like, I'm a film fan. It's like, I'm going to have these directors most people haven't heard of and are confused when they look at your shirt. Yeah, they're like, who the fuck is David Lowery? Yeah. Yeah. Um, or uh, like an A24 dog leash for my dog. <laughs> like I would never do that. That's like a ridiculous piece of merch. Yeah, it's like forcing your dog to be a cinephile, which your dog doesn't necessarily want to do. No, or your dog just wants to watch Golden Girls yeah. and nothing else. And that's okay. You can't fault your dog for not being a cinephile. Yeah. And in this case, Golden Girls is Golden like uh, Retriever Girls. <laughs> <laughs> nice, Mike. Nice, nice. Thank you. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, we should, we'll talk more about A24, but we should talk about these two movies. Okay, let's talk about uh, Super Mario Brothers. Sure. So Super Mario Brothers, I don't know if you know, but it's based on a video game. What's a video game? Okay. Well, I've got a lot of work to do today. (laughs) Um, You just get up and leave? Yeah, Super Mario Brothers video game came out in the 80s in Japan and America. Mario originally was featured in Donkey Kong. Is that where it started? I believe so. I believe his really? first appearance is in Donkey Kong as a character named Jumpman. And then Really? Yeah. Because oh, they just cool. needed a character that made sense on scaffolding. <laughs> so they made like a so they, a, that's a why he's vague like, plumber. Yeah, and then they put a mustache on him because then it just kind of gave de- definition to his face. Because right, they only had so right. many pixel colors to work with. So Mario oh, is the way he is out of like just sheer practicality. I love um, that. And his name was Jumpman, and then they named him Mario after their, uh, in Washington, the Nintendo of America, they had a landlord named Mario Sp- Spagali or something like that. I can't remember his name, but. Um, you mean you mean like the Nintendo office in the States had a landlord named Mario? Yeah, and they named it after him. They what? Just needed a, they just needed kind of like a middle class kind of blue collar name, and so it's like Mario. So all of that, yeah, just, and then the extreme Italian, like, stereotype that he is now has just kind of been warped from, like, that. Anyway. I love, there's something inspiring about the most, like, banal history of creating a character to turning into this, like, uh, monolithic IP. Oh, I know, yeah, I know. Like, Mar- Mario is, like, the IP, I feel like. For, for Nintendo, for sure, like, Mario Kart 8, or whatever the most recent one is, has sold, yeah. like... 50 million or something insane like over the last 10 years and mario surely is what keeps nintendo afloat oh yeah i mean like that i like more more than donkey kong or whatever the hell else they make animal crossing or whatever the fuck yeah animal crossing was like the big thing of 2020 because people for like six months right yeah or but it sold yeah it sold a lot i guess 20 or 30 million copies in like a year hmm Anyway, we're getting off topic. I could talk about video That's games. Insane. We should just have a second podcast that's about video games. 
Honestly, and I'm getting into video games slowly but surely, so that's not a bad idea. No. Anyways, okay. Just do from Justin a game more often, I guess. Or a game corner. Or game corner, just have a game corner. Yeah. A couple of gamers just drinking our uh, Code Red. Oh, yeah, right. Come on now. I was going to say Mountain Dew Code Red because that's the drink of gamers, but I forgot that we have to drink the official drink of from Justin McCain, Fago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they pay us now to say that, so yeah, we have right. to. Uh, oh, I wish they paid and us. It's not Anyways. Just, yeah, we're, we, we're doing it because they pay us, not because we worship at the Dark Carnival, but we do do that as well. <laughs> but that's a, you know, a separate thing, no, unrelated. Unrelated, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the Super Mario Brothers movie came out in 1993. It was directed by a husband and wife team uh, that's right. named Rocky Morton and Annabelle Janko. How come they didn't uh, take each other's names? I wonder. Did you look that up, Mike? I don't know. They research? both have silly names. So, Rocky, yeah, Rocky Janko, yeah. or yeah, yeah, it would be weird. But um, yeah, so that's they they directed it as a as a duo. Supposedly, they both perfectionists, and they didn't communicate well on set. So everybody had a hellish time making this film, also because of the directors. Wow. Uh, do you know, like, I don't know why I'm just grilling you now. You probably don't have the answers to these questions. But do you know if they have a huge filmography? Like, have they made a lot of films? Or is this like the one time they made a movie as a couple? Uh... <laughs> oh, they've directed a few movies. Oh, really? Like before or um, after? No, Super Mario Brothers, I guess, was their first one. And they're from oh, Britain. Oh, interesting. And oh, so they pioneered and created. Uh, they created Max Headroom. You know Max Headroom. Yes, the the from the it's like in a music video or something, right? That animated guy. Yeah, it's from the eighties. It's like um, Matt Frewer plays like a guy in a TV or a computer or something like that. Yeah, and they directed DOA with um, with uh, Meg Ryan in it and Dennis Quaid. Dead on arrival. And a movie called Tell It to the Bees, which came out two years ago and seems to be some like historical lesbian movie. Cool. Yeah, just like that genre of old timey and gay. I love it. That's a great combination. Mm-hmm. So the Super Mario Brothers movie uh, is about the Mario Brothers, the titular yes. Mario Brothers, mm-hmm. the titular Brothers Mario. And as Bob learned from watching this film, they're named the Mario Brothers because their last name is Mario. Yeah, what's what's up? So Mario Mario and Luigi Mario, that scene viscerally disturbed me because it makes no sense. Well, that's it's like a stupid joke, really, that well, is, is now canon, I guess. Because they, um, if I'm not mistaken, this film's intention was to subvert a lot of the Mario tropes, right? Mm-hmm. There's like a lot of subversion they were trying to do, and I guess that's one example. Yeah. So the Mario Brothers are played by Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo, and they mm-hmm. are trying to rescue Princess Daisy, played by Samantha Mathis, who isn't really in movies anymore. Um, hey, what else has she been in? Do you know anything offhand? Because I, I did not recognize Yeah, she her. used to be like a big deal in like the early, early 90s. Oh, really? So she was in like Little Women. Um, and Oh, with Winona Ryder. Yeah. And, oh, yes, yes. Oh, I guess she still makes the odd movie, it looks like. But she was in, I don't know, Atlas Shrugged Part 2. Yikes. Okay. What's that? <laughs> Based on the Ayn Rand book. 
Oh, yes. Right, right. But she Oof. was famously in Thing Called Love and what's that other movie? Oh, Pump Up the Volume. Yeah, Pump Up the Volume. Right, right. So like around 90, 93. And I guess she was the main character in Fern Gully also. Okay, cool. So she had cool. like a, a big early 90s stretch and then she kind of just disappeared for a couple of years and then is just playing bit parts now. That's good. It's, yeah. It's a living. I mean, it is a living, yes. And she is also just like like a pelican cement mixer also, you know, Wait, in the Flintstones. So she just looks oh. at the camera and says it's a living. <laughs> She's just a pelican and then they just mix cement in her mouth and then she looks right, at the camera right. and like, it's a living. I was so, really wondering where you're going with that. That's great. That was a really nice little detour. Oh, thank you. On. So beautiful, the, beautiful. Um, in the Mario Brothers movie, also Dennis Hopper plays President Koopa, who is a yeah. Trump-esque figure? Question mark. Yeah, I I would say this was a really sort of um, fascinating prediction of the world we live in now. Yes, although you weren't alive in the '80s. Way to out me. Yes. Um. So you <laughs> you weren't like aware of just like Trump was around. He's always been like around. I know. I just watched a film actually, um, two weeks notice with Sandra Bullock yeah. and uh, Hugh Grant and he's in it briefly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh yeah, he was an asshole a long time ago. Yeah, People he, like kind of hated him. He was like a somewhat handsome kind of just guy who was around yeah. in the eighties and people were just like, he just, he re- represented what he's always represented. Just being like a complete utter like fail son who, uh, just is so rich and mm-hmm. yeah like nothing has changed about him but he was Wasn't kind of like a joke in, in 1993 too as well <laughs> yeah just being 72 since 1993 literally nothing has changed <laughs> um Ugh. anyway the movie was inspired by um the video games but then also they were trying to make it more in line with kind of popular movies at the time like ghostbusters um mm-hmm. And Blade Runner. Uh, and I guess also like a little bit of Wizard of Oz, which I kind of see in that they go from one world to another, but that's about as far as it goes in my mind. Also, like people complain about how dark and like gritty this movie is, but it's kind of always been the thing. Uh, just like in the movies, they'll be like Batman from 1989 is, mm-hmm. you know, more gritty and dark. Ninja Turtles from 1990 is yep. gritty and dark. X-Men, when it came out in the late 90s, they just like, what if the X-Men didn't wear colors? They just wore black. Well, another, I think we, we I, I need to say this. This mm-hmm. film came out at the apex of dinosploitation. I know it was, yeah. It was a big so part of the Theodore dinosploitation. So, Jurassic Park, yeah. and there's a lot of dinosaurs in this film. Yeah. And the grittiness does, I had this conversation with a mutual friend of ours. And he's like, I feel like everything, the trend was dark and gritty. Like even a children's movie had to be dark and gritty. Yeah. And Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is a great example. Yeah, exactly. And everything was just like uh, dystopian for a long time in the 90s as well. Yeah. And I think we're kind of just kind of coming out of that. I mean, maybe we just kind of go in and out of that. Like Spider-Man wasn't really dark and gritty in the early 2000s. So maybe it was a a 90s thing. But then I think every once in a while they... The Hollywood is like, let's let's go dark and gritty with this. Yeah, so a lot of people complain about how dark and gritty it is, but it's like, it was the style at the time. And I, I think of all the things to complain about, that doesn't, that's not, don't die on that hill. There's yeah, that's other not things the to tear apart movie. first. Yeah. Having thick New York accents for the, the Mario brothers feels a bit 
bit odd. But also, out of the game. I'll once again say you weren't alive at the time, and oh. Ma- Nintendo didn't have a handle at the time on uh, Mario. Like, on, I, I on, guess there like, weren't Mario cutscenes, hey? Because when, when when did the N sixty four come out? Well, Late nineties. Yeah. So they Mar- like yeah, the N sixty four came out ninety six, I believe, in right. America, and the uh, representation of Mario in that is, I think, the iconic. That's like the first instance where everybody's like, okay, yeah, this is who Mario is. Right. Because I'm literally playing Mario on the N64 now. Yeah, it's and good. That, that to me is like, I've played the, you know, the 2D version as well, mm-hmm. but I guess it did. I didn't realize this film is sort of located in an interesting spot on the timeline of Mario. Yeah, it's like post-Super Mario World where they had Dinosaur Island. Mm-hmm. So that's why there's dinosaurs in it. And also, like, there was cartoons, comic books, uh, cereal. There's all kinds of Mario crap. But mm-hmm. the cartoons were kind of similar to this in that Mario was, like, a weird Brooklynite. Right. Who's, like, kind of gruff and gritty. Like, they had a TV show called the Super Mario Brothers Super Show with a wrestler, Lou Albano, who played Mario. And mm-hmm. he was, yeah, it's just him and this other guy who played Luigi. And they were just real kind of greasy uh brooklyn you know new yorkers yeah yeah uh but not as like italian as you know super mario from the video game where he's like wah 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 you know because that's what italians do they just jump around go wah wah (laughs) (laughs) and they're really good with wrenches yeah you know like Uh, they actually plumbed on the tv show they were plumbing oh really plumbing a lot yeah wow wow interesting yeah um so anyway the mario brothers movie I, I mean, I could talk about Mario lore for forever. I think I could actually probably just like do a TED talk on it. Im- a lecture. Like an improvised lecture. I probably could just talk about Mario. Um, but Good for you. The, Good for you. So this movie was a, a colossive, oh, colossive. A col- <laughs> this movie was a colossal uh, bomb mm-hmm. in that it like, they spent a lot of money on it, like 50 million bucks and they only made 30 odd million dollars worldwide so it wasn't even just the north american gross it was that's all the money that they made so and that's like that 50 million doesn't count for like all the advertising they would have done no and all the toys and shit they would have made yeah exactly try to like you know build ancillary sales and stuff i'm sure it was a real real shit fest for the shareholders or whatever Mm -hmm. um nintendo itself thought that the movie was fine they didn't really care they weren't Mm -hmm. they weren't bummed about it but they were just like, it wasn't a good movie. It was trying too hard to just kind of take the video game and make it real life, like make it realistic. And instead of, they didn't try. But yeah, basically Shigeru Miyamoto, the guy who made Mario, was like, they should have just tried to make a good movie instead of just trying to make a realistic representation of a nonsensical storyline that we just kind of like threw a bunch of crap into a blender and just see what, you know, you know, it just kind of seemed like they were improvising the games. And then yeah. the movie people took it too the movie people took it too seriously. <laughs> there is like a weird insanity to like when the original IP you're basing your film off of is also just a shit show of random ideas yeah. glued together onto this like pixelated Italian man's face. <laughs> and you're like, we have to be super precious of this IP, but it's like, no no, Mario makes no sense. Yeah. Purely we needed a guy who could jump on mm-hmm. ledges and then we put a mustache on his face. And named him Mario, yeah. gave him overalls, and he's also a plumber, and we named him after our landlord. All of that makes absolutely no yeah. sense. And then to make a film and be like, we gotta be, you know, 
protective of this IP and really sort of pay respect to it. You have to honor it, yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it is dumb. Um, Yeah, because Mario's whole thing is, like, the thing, the, the reason the Mario games are so good is because of the design of the levels and, like, the gameplay. It's not mm-hmm. because it's an Italian guy who's has to eat mushrooms and all that stuff. Like all of that, no, is, that's it could irrelevant. literally be anything else and it would yeah. be just as good of a game. So yeah. yeah, so just getting too caught up in trying to make the story make some sort of sense in a realistic fashion was a fool's errand. Um, yes. And so it was the only Nintendo game that was made into a movie until they made a Pokemon movie in 2019 called Detective Pikachu. Yeah. Which is based on like a not super well-known 3ds game uh where detective pikachu has a danny devito-esque accent yeah uh but then they made him ryan reynolds because i guess kids like that guy yeah uh but they are making a mario cartoon with the people who made minions illumination i guess is making a mario cartoon that comes out next year and it's going to be made by minions so hopefully it doesn't suck that's cool yeah, I'm. I just said it's going to be made by minions, as if they work there, which maybe they do. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, the producer of the movie is a guy named Roland Joffe, who I guess is kind of a, was a kind of a big deal. He uh, convinced the um, Nintendo of America president, who was the then son-in-law of the Japanese president. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, he convinced the um, the Nintendo of America president to like let it, let them make a movie. He went to Japan, pitched it to the Japan president uh, Hashiro Yamauchi, and they mm-hmm. he was like, "Sure, whatever." Like he kind of didn't care about movie stuff. He was just kind of like a craven businessman. Uh, and then he just so happened to have hired some of like the best game designers and like kind of revolutionized the game industry, but. Like Nintendo was a toy company and he was just like a guy who just was like, he didn't understand video games. I love that. Yeah. So, the modern success story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Just like just, delegating perfectly, but having no idea what you're actually making yeah. and then having it be a home run. Supposedly, just from what I've read in the past, he loved playing Go. Oh, yes. But, yeah, yeah. And, but he did not understand video games or the toys or anything. He, but he just knew how to run a business with like an iron fist and just yeah they it was yeah he did a good job just making nintendo like the thing it is was it the thing it was then but now it's uh it's probably for the best that they've kind of like loosened all that stuff off because they have so much more competition now they were the only mm-hmm. game in town for like 10 years um literally oh yeah so yeah nintendo they did think that mario was a strong enough brand that they could they were like yeah make a movie see what happens like they they, did, they didn't really care too much and they didn't really want to have any creative control over the project. Uh, and so the movie went through like almost 10, I think eight screenwriters throughout the process. One of them was uh, the guy who wrote Rain Man, Barry yes. Morrow. Yeah. Um, I guess according to what I read on Wikipedia, they I don't know the article that they were referencing, but they did call it the movie Drain Man because he wrote it as an existential road trip is what it says. Well, it's a road. Yeah, he wrote the first draft was a road trip movie. Yeah, and it was almost identical to Rain Man, which is a really famous road trip. Movie. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> he was just like, eh. well, I mean, it's just like the when the guys who wrote Toy Story wrote Garfield, and you mm, watch the movie, right. and it's like, oh, beat for beat, this is the exact same movie. Like Odie is Buzz Lightyear, Mario or Woody is Garfield. 
Right. Versus when people have a big success, they're like, eh, if it ain't fit broken, let's, let's you know what's redo the fun- movie. funny about that though? It's like Mario could have been two things. This like dark, gritty, this dystopian children's film mm-hmm. or a road trip movie. And it would be in the same vein as like Thelma and Louise, that movie about Hunter S. Thompson in Las Vegas yeah. or, uh, the Rain Man. You know what I mean? It's funny that you can just see the trends of the era. Yeah. And then this movie's kind of like, it could have been one or the other. Yeah. But there would have been dinosaurs in both. Exactly. Because dinosploitation is running rampant was, in the early 90s. It was 90s. huge at the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, speaking of dinosploitation, uh, the Yoshi puppet cost $500,000 to make. It was very elaborate. Holy shit. Yeah. Did Stan Winston make it? Uh, I don't think so. I didn't see his okay. name in, in any of the credits, but he may have. Well, he he made the animatronic T Rex that was like full size right. for Jurassic Park. Yeah, so he's like that's his specialty. Um, yeah, I didn't see his name, but uh, supposedly they had the, like this Mario Brothers movie revolutionized how special effects were done, mm. even if they weren't necessarily like super great. Um, just some of the systems that they kind of implemented have uh, were used after that. Oh yeah, the Jurassic Park, the Jurassic Park people also like came to visit the set because they had like let's see this dinosaur puppet, and they were really impressed, and they were going to try and get them to like work on the next Jurassic Park movie. I don't know that that really? materialized. Yeah, they were just like, wow, this dinosaur work is really good. We got to like what a joke. What do you mean the Yoshi puppet was cool? Uh, I wasn't impressed. You know what? I was looking for Yoshi. I wanted Yoshi, like literal Yoshi, to be there, and he wasn't. He didn't so. make that sound, you know. No, and the and the eggs weren't like neon colored, yeah. and, and just was, trailing, yeah, you know what? trailing behind him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and there's Mario a didn't ride him like a like a horse, yeah, which you can do in some of the newer games. So they did. Yeah, I'm just a little upset. They did cut out the scene where Mario rides him and punches him in the back of the head to get him to eat stuff. <laughs> I wish there was a scene in the movie where like uh, they're having a car chase and then they hit a mushroom and, and it's like, you know, it's like NOS or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And it goes in the engine and flames come out the exhaust pipe mm-hmm. and they speed up, but only for about five seconds. That would have oh, been, yeah. but this is pre Mario Kart. It so was, how, yeah. how, how are they to know? How are they to know? I think actually Mario Kart came out the year before this. Oh, really? Like the Super Mario Kart game, yeah. Oh, shit. Well, maybe that's why there's so many... There are so many car chases. Oh, yeah, that makes sense, yeah. Actually, I guess maybe a similarity just to get that cooking. Uh, both both uh, films depict uh, really, really uncomfortable carpooling. Mm, yeah, that's right. <laughs> right? Because they're always being chased and they're in like cars they don't know how to drive, they don't have brakes. And then in Last Black Man in San Francisco, the two main characters ride one skateboard together, which that, I have some fun facts true. about later. Yeah, I, I I was thinking about that skateboarding stuff because there's a lot of skateboarding in the movie. Some of the yeah. skateboarding shots are like done really well, but also don't really add a whole lot besides, wow, look at these skateboarding shots. Mm-hmm. I, um, I agree, but I live for that shit. Yeah, you know? yeah, you do. You love you love skitching. Yeah, skitching for days kitchen for days yeah there's scenes in both movies where characters bail also in um on like uh extreme transportation modes right right extreme x dash dream because in yeah mario brothers they have like these like rocket boots that they wear Mm -hmm. that they're like kind of they kind of bail on 
Uh, I guess they also crash a car, I think, at one point. Yes. Yeah, yeah, they do. Just anytime there's a vehicle involved in both films, there's it's uncomfortable and uh, doesn't end well. And full of gnar. Yeah, full of gnar, yeah. yeah. So gnar. Yeah, yeah. So gnarly, yeah, yeah. Two of the screenwriters after the Rain Man guy, mm-hmm. um, they were like, we were going to try and make it more for kids and make it more of like a uh, play on the fairy tale vibes of the video game. Uh-huh. And just want to read this quote because you'll see. Um, this guy says, essentially we did was what, or essentially what we did was what Shrek did. Satirizing what? fairy tale cliches, I guess. So. Oh, wow. Barely. For the husband and wife team, Harold Ramis was going to direct it. Oh, shit. And he was a fan of the video game too, but he just uh, decided not to do it at the time. I don't know what he was working on then. Maybe Groundhog Day. It would have been really close to Groundhog Day. And yeah. yeah, so, but then I guess supposedly he was happy that he did not make this movie. I wonder why. I wonder why he was happy about that. Yeah, who knows? Shit. Yeah, uh, so other people who were supposed to work on the movie was Danny DeVito as Mario. Holy or, shit. Or Dustin Hoffman as Mario. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, really? Yeah. Uh, Michael Keaton was supposed to be King Koopa, and then also they considered Arnold Schwarzenegger, which... Makes sense, but would have, yeah, would have been a bad choice. This was like also like right after Terminator 2. Right. He's too expensive he's like and he, he can't be like a small bad guy. Like it, every film he's in is a vehicle for him. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, but also just the movie would have done better though, I think. Oh, much better, much better. Yeah. Um, Tom Hanks was considered for Luigi. Really? Yeah. But oh, I, he, I would pay serious money to see that. He, but apparently he had a bad... I can't remember what movie he made. This was like the year before Forrest Gump and his like string of like Oscar success. But like the year right. before he had a box office bomb. It might have been something like Joe versus a volcano or something. I don't know the timeline, but right. He made, you know, it's funny. I've been going through all the 80s movies that he's in and mm-hmm. they're all really good. And then the early 90s, he made some real, real shitty movies. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Shit ebbs and flows, man ebbs and flows um also the character of toad which is played by a musician named mojo nixon um who i have heard the name of but i don't think i've heard the music they are we're going to cast tom waits as toad at one point but he was unavailable but was interested wow i would again pay serious money to see that yeah Mm -hmm. just a couple more things the uh movie was a hellish movie to make dennis hopper hated working on it he also didn't really know what was happening and so he was also hard to work with so he was making the director's life hard and they were making his life hard john leguizamo and bob hoskins would just get drunk every day oh good for them they that's would, great yeah they just get hammered in between takes as well and um, bob hoskins has famously got on the record saying this was the worst job he's ever done and his biggest disappointment <laughs> i love that so yeah um there is a uh, webcomic sequel, supposedly. Right. Okay. Uh, so this movie does have a accompanying... Compan- a phantasmagorical companion novel. Yeah, that's right. So there's yeah. a phantasmagorical companion novel to this. Uh, and, well, maybe- and phantasmagorical toilets, if you think about it, because... Oh, yes. They do go... There are plumbers, and they are okay. in like a weird phantasmagorical land, so... Yes, yes. Actually, I'm just thinking about this now. Speaking of phantasmagorical toilets, turlets, sorry. Turlets. 
Um, both films have main characters who are sort of economically stratified mm. and are in a lower position in society and can't get out of it. And big like gentrifi- like gentrification is pushing them out. Yeah, yeah, right? that's right. Because the Mario Brothers keep losing out to Scapelli, mm-hmm. the major, major corporation that's gentrifying New York. And the two main characters in Last Black Man in San Francisco, they're both low income and uh, they're trying to get this house back. But all any like all the financial ways that they try to get it back, they're just pushed out by that realtor and by the bank. Yeah, yeah. And all that stuff. So kind of interesting. Yeah, there's uh yeah, there similar very similar movies in that like it's a kind of about gentrification in some ways in both films. Yeah. And or, or rec- just like, like or just like corporate greed kind of ruining yeah. a city, a coastal city. Mm-hmm. And yes, San Francisco yes. and New York are very similar cities in a lot of ways. They have the same problems. Yeah. The I think the other thing is it's about uh characters trying to reclaim their home. Yeah. So you have Daisy trying to reclaim her home. But also the Mario brothers, I think, are trying to get more comfortable in New York, and they are after their adventure. And then two characters in uh, Last Black Man in San Francisco are trying to get this house back. Yeah. But also get San Francisco back in a way. Like it's more about San Francisco changing than it is about the house. Mm -hmm. Um, One more little fact about the Mario Brothers movie. Yep. Uh, There is a bunch of people on the internet, as there always is, who love this movie for some reason. And uh, so there are people who are working on like a fan restoration of like a 4K release of this movie because I don't think that there's any plans for that to like come out on 4K Blu-ray or whatever it's called. Yeah. So um, fans are like restoring the film for 4K for some reason. It's amazing what uh, what people will do. Yeah. You know, really, really amazing. Yeah, I will say it's amazing. The word amazing is an accurate word to use for people who are <laughs> restoring the Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> You know what I say, and I always say this, not mm-hmm. all heroes wear capes. It's true, yeah. But all heroes are plumbers and have hats and overalls. Yeah, that's, yeah, that, okay, yeah, that's true, yeah, yeah. And thick New York accents. Um. Also, uh, here's like a kind of similarity between the two movies. At the end of uh, Last Black Man in San Francisco, um, Mont puts on a play. Yep. And um in super mario brothers there's no play in the movie there's a little storybook section off the top talking about dinosaurs mm-hmm. so there's kind of like a i don't a know story a story within a story within a story yeah but then also in super mario 3 the video game mm-hmm. it opens the game opens the title screen with a curtain so mm. it kind of like presents this idea that you're watching like a a play and there's yeah. like elements of yeah. the game where there's like a like a wall that you can go behind almost like a set and there's like yeah. you can see like nails in some of the the things it's, it's like being held up by like someone who had constructed it so there's like this kind mm-hmm. of element of whatever i'm talking about super mario but brothers 3 not the movie of course but but it's all the same family man yeah, we'll it's all call the, it the same, same thing. ip yeah yeah that might be that might be the best uh link you've ever done thank you it was so multi-layered, Mike. Wow. Wow, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, yes. and textured. You really painted a picture with your words. Well, I'm an artist. Yes. Yes, you are. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you are. Absolutely. All right. The Last Black Man in San Francisco is a 2019 drama film. It had its premiere at Sundance in 2019, and then A24 released it three months later. Mm-hmm. 
this is a cool movie. What's what's nice about this film? It's basically the antithesis of how Super Mario Brothers was made. This was absolutely a grassroots film. Right. So it's uh, based in part on Jimmy Fails' life, who plays Jimmy Fails in the film. Yeah, which plays I himself. learned after I saw the film and was like, that, that's wild. I know, I know, it's it's nuts. And I was also like, man, as a screenwriter, why would you make this guy's last name Fails? Yeah, It's like hard to say. It. But then it's like, it's actually him. It's about his life, so it makes a lot of sense. And he's playing himself. And also, he fails. Yeah, he literally does fail. But he learns something along the way, you know? And we all do, though. I think we all do. Yes. So it's directed by Joe Talbot. So Jimmy Fails and Joe Talbot are lifelong friends. They were friends as kids. And even as early as their teenage years, they were talking about making this film. Hmm. Um, and uh, the film was written by Joe Talbot and Rob... Richard or R- Rickert or Reichert, deep German name, I assume, but the stories by Jimmy Fails and Joe Talbot. Yeah, they're growing up together. They wanted to make this film. Um, San Francisco has no film industry because three hours to the south is Hollywood. Yes. And also it's Silicon Valley and, you know, there's just other industries there. So there's no real infrastructure for making films. So they had no way to, no way to know how to make the film. They had no experience. There were no people there they could really talk to. So that kind of put a hold on the project until they were both like much, much older. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, sort of the initial inspiration was uh, Joe Talbot emailed Barry Jenkins out of the blue. And then Barry Jenkins replied and gave him sort of a, a list of instructions on how to best finance the film. Mm. And then that led them to uh, doing the Kickstarter. Well, they made a trailer for the film and that was self-financed. And then they uh, made a Kickstarter to try to make a short film uh, called American Paradise. And they asked for, I think it was 25000 And then mm. they made $75,000 on the Kickstarter. And there was this huge, like, Last Black Man in San Francisco campaign on the internet. And Jimmy Fails kind of became the face of San Francisco during that time. Because this is also, like, it's the, the city's famously gentrifying. And a lot of the people who have grown up in San Francisco are dealing with this so i feel like the film really touches or is like on the pulse of that sort of movement yes um so they made this short they took it to sundance in 2017 and then there they met um christine O, who's one of the like main producers at plan b entertainment brad pitt's production company that's right and then they met two other producers and basically they had a meeting to be like will plan b make our film or not and sure funny enough it was on the set of ad astra hmm um, so they they met um, the whole Plan B team on the set of Ad Astra, and they had never been on a set before. And apparently they were, like, shitting their pants because it was, like, a giant special effects day, and Brad Pitt was hanging, like, 200 feet in the air by wires in a space suit. Yeah. And there was, like, a giant spaceship and stuff. And they were really blown away, and they thought they were going to get turned down, but the two producers said, we would love to make this film. Let's go into production. And so they started Plan B financed the film and made it, and then they... Uh, got a distribution deal with A24. So, like, it's it, you know, it's cool because Plan B is, like, a great company. They make a lot of really cool shit. And they kind of hit, like, the situation is ideal. They got, like, a really good indie film production company, Plan B, and then an indie distributor, A24. Oh, yeah. And that, that like, I feel like that alone is such a monumental achievement and really speaks to how cool <clears throat> the concept was. And I haven't seen... um american paradise yet but i bet it's really fucking cool because that's the short that got them to be able to make the feature yeah 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 so it's pretty cool that it's like a grassroots sort of story to making this film which is really interesting yeah it kind of goes to show 
anything can happen if you believe. Dreams do come true. true. And if you spend your whole life trying to make a thing, sometimes it happens. Yeah, sometimes it happens, yeah. And sometimes Brad Pitt makes it happen. Exactly, exactly. It's kind of, it's really cool that they, yeah, they just stuck with it for so long. Because it ended up being like a like a 20 or 25 year journey for them. Right, right. Which is pretty cool. There's some fun stuff. So there's some fun stuff and then some not so fun stuff. So we'll talk oh, no. about the Kofi character. Kofi's character is kind of pivotal to the entire narrative and they wanted it to be played by somebody who's a local to San Francisco and is very much part of the San Francisco community. Mm-hmm. And then they met uh, Jamal Trulove, who ends up playing Kofi. But Jamal Trulove's story is really fucked up. So in 2007, when he was a lot younger, he was wrongfully convicted of murder. And then in 2015, he was acquitted after a retrial. And then the city of San Francisco uh, paid him a settlement of $13.1 million because he was wrongfully convicted. And he was framed by the San Francisco police. Oh, wow. So he has a really sort of intense story and connection to the city of San Francisco, and it's quite complicated. And that's why they wanted him to play Kofi, because that character sort of represents so much Mm -hmm. and is sort of a pivotal character within the narrative of the film. But that's just sort of like, that's fucking crazy. That's pretty wild. His his story is like absolutely insane and very, very tragic. Uh, Anyways, so that's really interesting. I think that's like a really wild sort of part of the film that probably not a lot of people know the film was plagued by construction so if you know san francisco really well the film's geography makes absolutely no sense like how they get places and where they go makes no fucking sense similar to bullet bullet like is famously inaccurate on like where you would drive and how you get to places and how long it takes yeah and uh and this film is similar like it's this film is very much sort of like a in terms of the geography and how they get places, it's very inaccurate and more like a fantasy film. Yeah. Um, so their 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 depiction of San Francisco is much more poetic than li- literal, which is kind of cool. Um, the other thing is, so the little snippet about the skateboard thing. So in the script, like, uh, uh, oh shit, forget his name, Crapper. One second, one second. Joe Talbot knows nothing about skateboarding, but then in the script they wrote this in. And they wanted to have like the two uh, Montgomery Allen and Jimmy Fails, the two characters on the skateboard together. And then they didn't really know how to do it. They didn't know anything about skating. And they phoned up some guy at Thrasher, like the the editor or whatever. And Thrasher is famously their head office is in San Francisco, famous uh, skateboarding magazine. Mm-hmm. They they like I forget the guy's name, but the head editor. And they're like, have you ever seen two grown men on a skateboard? And he was like, uh, I don't know. And then he started asking around his office, and basically everyone said like, no, not really. That's not really possible. And then they talked to this guy who makes custom boards, and he made a slightly wider board. And then they spent like a long time, the two actors, trying to figure out how to ride the board together. And that's how they came up with the Jimmy Fails in front. And then Montgomery Allen in the back with his hands on his shoulders. And they also didn't know each other before the film. So this really cemented their relationship and made them sort of uh, become really good friends mm. in real life. But that's it. there was like a whole sort of hurdle they had to leap in order to just figure out how they could commute on one skateboard. And uh, you also see some Thrasher merch in the movie, which is fun. I did see that, yeah. Yeah, and Thrasher was very much involved in the pre-production of the film, just trying to help these guys out which is really cool. I love that. And it's a great film. Yeah. Uh, that's basically all I have on the film. 
it's uh it's cool i love it i was blown away i didn't know what it was about and i just turned it on and immediately like the opening frame you're just blown away yeah the camera work is really like impressive and the music lighting is so nice performances yeah yeah it's beautiful it's a gorgeous film and i love the characters they're they're really interesting and it's a unique art house film you know art house film in that they were painting the house Exactly. And the house is a work of art in some ways to the wow to the people of the city. Huh. Huh. That's great. That's great. Nice work, Mike. Thank you. I mean, I got to point out one thing. Oh, what? What? Uh, there's a part in it where they were. I think one of the people in the gang call call Jimmy like. He, they're like they say he dresses like a white guy, right? Or maybe it's his dad. Somebody says that to him, but he's he's re- he basically wears red the entire time, yeah. and Mont wears a backwards baseball hat for like a, lo- a chunk of the movie too. Yeah, and those are the same outfits that Meyer Brothers wear. Oh my God, you're right. Well, let me piggyback on top of that. Both mm-hmm. films are helmed by duos. Oh yeah, right? you're right. Yeah, like there's two main characters in both films. Mm-hmm. And they're basically in every scene together. Well, they're like brothers too. Yeah. Like yeah. the Mario brothers are called brothers, but uh, I read it, an interview with John Leguizamo where he talked about how Bob Hoskins is a British guy. He is Hispanic and they were both playing supposedly Italian people. So it's like because, <laughs> because John Leguizamo is clearly not Italian. But yeah. he's just kind of doing the the um, the Hollywood thing of just uh, like Italians and Hispanic people being um, interchangeable. Like Scarface is an example he brought up. Um, yeah. He, so he's just like the Mario brothers. It's not super clear what their relationship is. Like if they're actually brothers or if they're just two guys who live together. I mean, his their names mm-hmm. are Mario and Luigi. So I think what he says is kind of BS because they're clearly Italian. Mm-hmm. They're clearly supposed to be Italian brothers, but anyway, um, the point being that uh, in this in the last black man in San Francisco, like they're not brothers, but they kind of are, and they both sh- at the beginning share a small apartment in a big metropolis. That's right. Not unlike the That's Mario right. brothers, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they are titular both films. Oh my God! Look at you go! Look mm-hmm. at you go! That's great. Both both films have like. Uh, like a external material related to the film because there's like a movie trailer from 2017 and then the short film and then the movie last black man in san francisco mm-hmm. and then mario has the whole nintendo ip that's right both both films kind of have like external things well they're adaptations of other of other works really that's a way better way of putting it yeah, well, yeah. that's that's much better <laughs> damn mike damn you're bringing your a game today thank you Last Black Man in San Francisco is an adaptation of Jimmy Fails' life. Just yep. like uh, the Mario Brothers movie is an adaptation of Super Mario's life. Or, in a way, an adaptation of that landlord's life, who's probably pretty good with the sea wrench. Yes, exactly. <laughs> hey? Uh, both films have uh, heavy depictions of renovations. Yes, yes. Yeah, they kind of feel like an HGTV movie. A lot of scaffolding. A lot of scaffolding, a lot of construction, a lot of... Uh, Fixing up old things, mm-hmm. all and in sort of related to that, both films have a doomed romance. Okay, Jimmy fails his romance is with this house that he's trying to reclaim. Sure, 
the past and it's doomed the past exactly and he it's doomed and then uh uh luigi and daisy they're doomed yeah they're horny for each other but it ain't gonna happen Mm-mm. oh oh also there's a really fun uh cameo that i forgot to talk about with daywan song he he plays ricky like the boyfriend of uh wanda fails the aunt yes and he's a famous pro skater, and he's like a really fucking cool dude. Hmm. And I forgot he's in it, and he's and he's riding uh, Jimmy Fails' board, and it's fun, and he's like kind of shitty at it, but yeah. in real life, he's like the craziest motherfucker you ever see. He's amazing. Yeah, he just did some ollies. Yeah, but in real life, like he he's nuts, and he like does a lot of weird stuff. Like one of his trucks on his board is totally loose and has no rubber washer. Yeah. He, he's got a really odd style, but he's amazing. He's such a technical skater, which is cool. And I forgot he's in the movie. And then he's driving the truck with all the shit in it to the house, which is fun. Hmm. Yeah, so that's like, if you're if you're into like skating, that's like definitely a really cool little Easter egg. I'm kind of into skating. You you, you should look him up on like after. He's like really, uh, he's, he's fucking cool. I will. Uh, both movies uh, feature... Both movies are about characters kind of battling against real estate. We've kind of already talked about this a little bit, but like mm-hmm. Koopa mm-hmm. is basically Trump and he's kind yes. of like a bad guy. The bad guy in both movies is a real estate agent, essentially. Mm-hmm. I mean, the bad guy in The Last Black Man from San Francisco is a lot of things. It's society, it's gentrification, it's it's uh, the rich, it's the tech industry, it's all of these things. Um, but yeah, it's like represented by that one slimy real estate guy. And uh, I'd say Koopa is very similar to that. Yeah, absolutely. He's trying to put up some friggin' condos in Dinosaur Land or Mushroom Kingdom yeah. or whatever they call it in this movie. Well, let me let me jump onto that. So not not only is there sort of this like uh, the, the the ever growing uh, consumerist like real estate monolithic machine that just consumes the world and its resources, but in both films there's a heavy sort of depiction or reference to the poisoned environment mm-hmm, so you see right. the water and it's like all steamy and gross and rotting and poisonous in the opening section of last black man in san francisco right and then uh, there's a scene where koopa is complaining about how he's the king of this like little city but then he's surrounded by desert yeah that's right and so you know really i think both films are sort of a cautionary tale about climate change yeah there's also like toxins kind of in the air and um in the blast black man of from San Francisco, like they'll get out yes. of the bus and, and the city's poisoned. Like, yeah, there's just so much like. Uh, and then smoke. what's it? What's it called? in, uh, what's the shit in Dino Land? It's like the mute, slime. The or? they say trust the fungus. Fungus, so, yeah, yeah. So it's like yeah, there's like all of this phlegm and fungus everywhere. Hmm. Hmm. Which they later learn is you know the king. I what's guess. up with that? I love how short his scene is. He just like gets back. He's just sitting there and he's like, all right, but he doesn't say anything. Yeah. He doesn't explain himself. You don't know anything about him. He's just the king. Very funny. There's like, in both movies, there's a uh, connection between the past and the present. Mm -hmm. So in The Last Black Man from San Francisco, the house is kind of like a connection to the past. It's like supposedly built 100 years ago. And it kind of represents like the time when... Uh, the first black man came to San Francisco. Uh, mm-hmm. Similarly, in um, Super Mario Brothers, dinosaurs are, I don't know if you know this, from the past. Mm-hmm. 
So I don't that's know. Good, that's man. a, that's, that's, that's one. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I think, you know, it's funny though, like watching both of these films, I was like, man, from a thematic standpoint, these are super resonant. Mm-hmm. They, they sort of are on the same level. You know what I mean? In terms of what they're exploring. One's just a lot more sort of artful and coherent than the other but it's it's funny that like such a shitty sort of corporate gaining film because the two films are like antithetical in that one's like purely just like corporate money-making bullshit and the other one is like this grassroots local indie thing trying to tell a very specific story in a specific place Mm -hmm. but then when you come when it comes down to the themes that they're both exploring they're really similar oh yeah and it's about it's about reclamation it's about identity. It's about your geography mm-hmm. and how it's changing and you aren't. Yeah, that's you know true. what I mean? And it's it's just really funny because the intentionality between the two films are totally different. Yeah, I'm not even sure that they they were trying to say something about like 90s New York. No, they but, weren't. But like around that time, as I understand it, New York started to go into this kind of mode that it's now kind of trapped in where, you know, you can't really live in Manhattan anymore. No. Unless you're just no. so, so wealthy. Yeah. And even yeah. the other boroughs, it's still like prohibitively expensive for most people to like live comfortably. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and like 70s New York versus like when it started to change and gentrify and into what it is now is like a thing. It definitely felt like in the screenplay, it was an arbitrary villain, like the Scapelli contracting company or whatever mm-hmm. that just felt so arbitrary. It was just like, oh, the, the, the Mario brothers just need something to butt their head against. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's the Scapellis. Um, another similarity is uh, in both films, there's like a you get seated in a chair and then you're transformed. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, Mont Montgomery Allen puts on the play and everyone sits down and watches it. Wow. And definitely Jimmy Fails changes during the time of that play. Mm-hmm. Actually, they both do. And they have this like huge conflict. And then in uh, Super Mario Bros, people sit down and they can get evolved or devolved. That's right, yeah. And I, I would say, in a way, both both films have a character getting evolved after sitting down in a chair mm-hmm. and, and having some lights turn on. That's great. Yeah. Great work. Uh, can I be honest with you? That was a spitball. I just started talking. Oh, wow. That really, fell, that really fell into place, didn't it? It, it truly did. It seemed yeah, like wow. it was extremely well thought out, but I guess it was yeah. the opposite. I just, I, there's the, my paper's blank. I just started talking. There's nothing there. I'm really proud of myself for that one. Oh, both movies have prisons featured in them. In that oh. the um, Mario Brothers movie, the, there's prison people like trapped in cages. Yeah. I believe at one point Toad is in a cage. Yes, he is. Yeah. Uh, that's just kind of out in the open too. Mm-hmm. And then um, the uh, last black man in San Francisco, there's, Nobody goes to a prison in the movie, but you see, you know that Alcatraz is tucked away somewhere. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Good for you. That's a deep, deep cut. I didn't even think about Alcatraz. Yeah. It's just like always present. Yeah. Just in the background, even if they don't really show it in the movie. And I'm sure actually there's a couple of shots where you see it, but I don't remember them. Yeah. Yeah. But I know it's tucked away somewhere in that movie. I'm sure because there's so many great shots where like the ocean is present yeah. or the bay and I'm sure yeah Alcatraz is there. They never talk about Alcatraz which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the locals just don't care about Alcatraz. Well because it's just a tourist attraction now. Yeah. 
Yeah. How crazy is it that like you could be living like in the 60s uh-huh. and there's just like a prison in the bay on the island? Yeah. Isn't that weird? You're like raising your family and like living your life and then you're just like, oh yeah, there's that like huge like high, like high security prison on that island. Like Al Capone was there. Really? Oh yeah. Oh shit. And, and uh, Clint Eastwood famously Clint, served Eastwood, time. Yeah, he served time, but he did escape. He escaped. He did, yeah. He slammed. Yeah. And it was never found. I went to Alcatraz uh, last year, right before the yeah. pandemic. I was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can buy, I probably actually said this on this podcast, actually, if I'm remembering correctly. I think I already talked about this, but you can buy Escape from Alcatraz on 480p DVD, not Blu-ray, not 4K or whatever, for like $30 American in the gift shop. Worth there. it. Worth it. Yeah. Like they sell we a bunch of DVDs for, for like just so expensive. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's so stupid. I love it though. I love the ballsy move when it's like people just don't know what they're buying and they're in vacation mode. So they're letting their money on fire and they're like, yeah, let's buy this DVD of this Clint Eastwood movie that is really easy to watch in other ways. Yeah. I also, but it's about the story, Mike. It's about the fact that they bought it a on the Island and that they spent so much money on it. I know. They're proud I know. of that purchase. Exactly. It's like buying a, a bag by Gucci. Same thing. Or buying a Jaguar. You buy a DVD from the Alcatraz uh, gift shop. It is strange that you can just get so much merch at a prison. Yeah. 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 They You walk around. They tell you about all the people who escaped, all the people who died. You can see all the crappy little toilets that they have to use every single day in these tiny little cells. And then you're little like, I, gotta buy no a, I have to buy a mug to remember this. Yeah. Yeah. Did you buy any merch when you went? Of course I didn't. Oh, well, you're no fun. I know. I did eat a snack on the ferry there, though. Oh, what'd you have? I think it was a cookie. Mm, good for you. Good for you. <laughs> um, I don't know why. I just pictured you eating like a vegan corn dog on the boat. Mm, that sounds good. I did. San Francisco style. I did see some Canada geese, like a bunch of Canada geese, like hang out at Alcatraz. Nice. So some of the Canada geese, I was like, have I seen you before? Have I seen you in my city? Are you Are you a local? Yeah, I bet. I bet. You know, when you run into somebody, you run into somebody you know uh, in a different city who's Mm -hmm. from your city. Like you run into a friend or just like a casual acquaintance and you're like, what? You're here too? And you just happen to run into him. It's like, that was me with those Canada geese. That's awesome. And they probably thought to themselves, who's this fucking guy and why is he looking at us so weird? Hong Kong. What a creep. Yeah, yeah. This guy's a bird perv. A couple of bird pervs. Bird, bird, perv. Bird, bird, perv. Bird, 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 pervert. Thank That's you. you. Thank That's you. That's your theme song. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, great. So that's the that's the similarities. We discovered that they're the same movie once again. Classic. Yeah, I, I would honestly, like as a double feature, this is a wild fucking ride. I would recommend it. Mm-hmm. Damn. Should our podcast be called Double Feature? I actually, when I was coming up with the idea for this and trying to come up with a name. It was taken. That one had been taken many, many times uh, over, yeah. Like, we yeah. recorded a couple episodes, and we didn't know what to call it yet. Mm-hmm. Remember this? And then... Um, I do, yes. Yeah, so I was just kind of trying to come up with names, and Double Feature obviously is a obvious one, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's been done a million times over, so... Mm. Uh, Too yeah, bad. I figured. It, it, is, it is cliche. Yeah, it's kind of a cliche, so... I think we... Yeah. I think we settled on the best one. From yes. Justin to Kane, uh, thing you have to really explain, but 
if you know, you know. Yeah, yeah. I explain it to people and they're still like, what? Yeah. That's fun. That's fun. Anyways, this was our episode. I think, you know what? Like, this is a good one. It's a good double feature. It's a oh, wild yeah. ride. It's like, there's a huge gap between the two films just in terms of viewing experience, mm-hmm. which is a lot of fun to sort of let wash over you as a double feature. That's right, yeah. I have a soft spot for the Mario Brothers movie, even though Ugh. it sucks. Just because yeah. of, you know, nostalgia as always. Because of uh, <clears throat> how old you are? Of course, yeah. Yeah, and I don't because of <clears throat> how young I am. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But you had a birthday last week, so you're not getting any I younger. I'm in my mid-20s now. You are aging faster and faster every year. Wow, you really know how to scare the shit out of somebody. Oh, yeah. Put, oh, yeah. put that, you know, that existential dread right back in there. Hey, this podcast is a bit of an existential road trip. You know, not unlike the original draft of the Super Mario Brothers movie and Rain Man. Yeah, but ours is called Grain Man because we live in the prairies and all we do oh, is nice. grow grain. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, I guess we should um, bid everyone farewell. Say the line. This feels over. That's good, yes. <laughs> Gotta have our catchphrases. Also, uh, one more video game related note. Have you, Did you see the news? Sonic the Hedgehog 2, the movie. It's coming out? Idris Elba playing Knuckles. What? Yeah. So miracles do happen, Mike. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I wrote them so many letters saying, when is the sequel coming out? And all they would do is ghost me. Yeah. Well, you also oh. would write them, when is the sequel coming out, dot, dot, dot. And is Sonic nude in it? Yeah. And then you I just like poorly drawn nude uh, portraiture of Sonic and me making out and yeah. they were like you you need to stop saying this is a children's film you're talking about this yeah. is so deeply inappropriate P.S. I want some feet stuff to signed by <laughs> I obviously used a fake name I put down Mike Robertson oh, no. and your mailing address that's why I keep getting <laughs> cease and desist orders from yeah. uh, whatever company makes Sonic Warner Brothers is just or Sega's like hey pervert stop yeah. sending us perverted mail and you're like what I'm not the pervert. Bob's the pervert. We should go to see the Sonic the Hedgehog 2 movie and then do an episode yeah. about it and then do another deep dive into the weird perverted world of online Sonic the Hedgehog fans. Yeah, we should. I think that'd be fun. What 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 would that corner be called? Uh, I don't know. Pervy Sonic Corner or... Hedge. Perv Hedge Corner. Or just something. the Hedge Hog. You know, like Hog. Hedge. <laughs> Hedges Hog. Does corner? Sonic the Hedge have a hog yeah question mark is the subject line of every email i send to sega yeah and they're like please please stop emailing us and then you just Um, respond no (laughs) no deal Uh, sega screw you guys it's your fault for making such a sexy character yeah uh okay well on bob bob being a a hedge perv it's like yeah really painting myself into a corner here um thanks for listening everyone uh, apologies for my perversions and mike's mike's not you know guiltless no one is but, innocent uh, these days no 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 by proxy you're a pervert oh, anyways okay yes. thanks everyone for listening i uh, hope you had a good time watch these movies they're fun they're fun uh, as a double feature and uh, as always now i'm saying what mike says as always you can catch us on let me see if I can even say this. Sure. Instagram from Justin to the number two Kane. Mm-hmm. Is that right? 
Yes. Or on or on um, Twitter. Letterboxed. Oh, Twitter, which is also from Justin Two, the number two. Yeah. Kane. Letterboxed from Justin Two Kane with the T O. No, they're all, they the all have the two. number. Oh, oh, uh, uh, yeah. So uh, Letterboxed or uh, Facebook, I guess. Yes, Facebook, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye. Do the Mario swing your arms from side to side. Come on, it's time to go. Do the Mario. Take one step and then again. Let's do the Mario all together now. You got it. It's the Mario. Do the Mario. Swing your arms from side to side. Come on, it's time to go. Do the Mario. Take one step and then again. Let's do the Mario all together now. Come on now, just like that. Eat.